0: Numbers don't matter in, in Jesus's kingdom. Hearts matter in Jesus's kingdom. So it, it becomes the fuel that drives the desire to continue to penetrate the dark world of online with light, but you have to step into it with really good rhythm. you need to come into this world. And that's been my caution for some people who are hiring, I just talked to some pastors last week who are, oh, I hired him. I, and I said, like, please care deeply for the person you hire because their world is not fueled by faces. Their world is fueled by the Holy Spirit and a continued step of faith every single day that what they do today will matter to somebody. And, and it's very easy to get lost and lonely in it So you also need to make sure that you have a really good champion. Um, maybe Maybe a few of them who stands in your corner and says, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. I believe that today, even though our engagement dropped, even though things happened that maybe frustrated you, I believe that somebody was reached today.
1: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. My name is Hector, and I'm here today with my co-host, Sarah.
2: Hey there.
1: And today we have a guest on the show, Lindsay. Uh, Actually, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I always do this, because I want to say the last name. Okay.
2: And then you panic? panic.
1: You
2: panic, panic.
1: yeah. All right. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome again to another episode of the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Hector, and I have my co-host here, Sarah. Hey there. And today we have a friend of ours, Lindsay Murphy on. Hey, Lindsay. Hey there. How are you doing today? Great. How about you? Oh, doing good. Hey, so Lindsay, you and I actually don't know each other. Uh, And (laughs) so uh, for me and for everyone listening, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are?
0: Sure, so I, I currently reside in Madison, Alabama. Uh, most people will probably recognize Huntsville. It's where Space Camp is. No, mm-hmm. my kids have not gone yet. They're too terrified of like things that might make them throw up, but maybe at some point they'll go. Um, I am a online campus pastor for the Valley Church, Troy, and ready to blow your mind. That church is in Troy, Ohio. And that would be the beauty of digital life. I know. Right. So I do live in Alabama and work for a church in Ohio and I used to live in Michigan. So if you can put all that puzzle together, that's uh, a little bit about uh, what I am currently doing here in this very sunny Alabama.
1: Wow. Uh, Well, I cannot wait to hear more about this digital online pastor position. Um, and kind of how that works and, and what that looks like. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get into that, can you just share maybe what what platforms you are on online and where people might be or sorry. Can you share what platforms you're on and the platform that you actually prefer to use?
0: Sure. So you can find the Valley Troy on YouTube. They have a podcast, Facebook um, we are not using Chop that Church Online that Life Church created. Um, I also have my own personal media on Instagram and on Facebook. When it comes to digital discipleship, when it comes to what we do online, after a lot of research, a lot of time looking at the purpose why certain media was created, we landed on Facebook. It's the, the place that was literally designed for community. Not just for streaming content, although that's what you can do. And so we prefer, I prefer, uh, person in my own personal use, as well as for the church to focus our energies on Facebook. And I and I know that we've seen a lot of our younger generation. I'm not that young anymore, but uh, they have they have kind of done an exodus out of that platform. But I believe that there are ways to use. TikTok and Instagram and some of the others to connect and then bring them back to a place where community is built. So I think there's a way to use all kinds of social media for his purpose, but ultimately we try to drive people back to Facebook.
2: So it's, it's really exciting for us to talk to you because for us, you're kind of like a unicorn, like first off you're, you're a full-time online pastor and you're the first one we've you've we've talked to and you're on Facebook like you said you know a lot of people have made an exodus Mm -hmm. um and so we talked to a lot of people who are like oh I am not on Facebook so we're excited to talk to someone who is on Facebook and who sees it as a viable tool and a viable um mission field and um gathering space um so online pastor or pastor of an online campus is a newer pastoral role or title that people are hearing. Can you tell us the the story of how you became an online pastor? Absolutely. So
0: I was a registered evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene. I still am actually. And prior to that, I was a high school English teacher for 15 years. And that's probably another show for another day. That's another story. (laughs) But when the pandemic... (laughs) When the pandemic hit, uh, obviously, as a registered traveling evangelist, that also stopped. And I knew the lead pastor of the Valley, Troy and his wife, they co-pastor. I have known them for many, many years. And he was actually against being digital altogether. Unlike his sister campus in Piqua, they uh, wanted no digital expression. They just believed that everybody should be coming uh, to their campus on site. And there's good, there's good theology behind that too. But then there was no choice. You had to go digital. And within a month or two of of this forced hand in the digital world, the lead pastor was like, listen, there are too many people sitting here and streaming is not church. And so that means then what makes it church? Well, we've got to disciple people. We've got to do life with them Monday through Saturday. Um, and then join together and celebrate on Sunday. And so he called me and I thought, well, okay, uh, sure. It was really an assignment that was supposed to last three months. It was supposed to last last summer, the summer of 2020. And I was simply hired on to do R&D, some research and development on how to set up an online campus. What does it look like to do life with people seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, because that's what you do in the digital world. It's not like office hours. But once you're in people's lives in that way, it's really hard just to be like, okay, well, it's August of 2020 and our contract is over. And so after praying about it, uh, both he and I agreed that, okay, let's stay on. Let's do life with one another and, and continue to embed ourselves in the lives of the people who have joined us digitally. And obviously the tension between, okay, now we're open and people can come back. How do we now begin to reach new people? Not just, not just your people that have been sitting in your church and now had to go home, and, but now let's reach new people. And so this online campus pastor went from being, okay, do some research and development to shepherd them, love them, get in their lives with them. And that looked, for us, when I first started, that looked like doing Facebook groups. It was the easiest way to take what we know what to do on site, and it was easily creatable in the digital world. And so I just began to launch Facebook groups using the Uversion Bible app. Uh, Life circumstances, one of the most fruitful groups I launched was just, okay, I'm a former educator, and now I have to be home and educate my children, and so do a lot of other people. So how do I create a group where we can all join, regardless of your background, regardless of your belief system, and just come together in this one place to encourage one another? I never hid the fact that hey, we're going to pray for each other. Hey, we're going to talk about life issues, uh, but we're also going to just talk about things that are happening in your life, regardless of your religious affiliation. And so, although I've seen a lot back to you know your original question about this this new role that I'm seeing people wanting to hire now. What we came to realize within, after that three months was up of research and development, that it needs to be a pastor, just like the title says. That means that it's not just about how to handle the tech issues, because trust me, I definitely haven't figured out all of those things, but how do you love people well and, and be a part of their lives in the world in which they live, even if you don't live in their neighborhood? And that is essentially what has been since August of 2020 to date till today, me just trying to figure out how to be a part of people's lives, no matter where they are.
1: Yeah. So you talked about how online is the 365 days, 24 seven kind of life. Yes. So what does, you know, because that tension is of like, here's what a pastor typically does. For those in ministry, kind of, you know, the sneak peek behind the hood, they, they, they might hear that and go, oh, no, like 360, like all access, all hours access. But what does your week actually look like in that role as, and as you're talking about shepherding?
0: Yeah, so there's a few different elements. Some of it is running the Facebook groups when they're launched, and that is seven days a week. Now, the beauty is in that life group, which is very different than life group on site, right? People who are doing Bible studies or life groups, it's one day a week, maybe once every other week, and you're meeting somewhere. So I know when I say that to people, some people kind of freak out a little bit, like, what, seven days a week? Well, the beauty of Facebook is that you can schedule posts. You you can I can sit down on a Monday having done the devotion, having done the thing, the, the thing we're working through, the curriculum we're working through, and schedule my posts for the next five, six, seven days. Now, I still have to interact with people, but it, it alleviates some of that. And that's part of just another reason why we've chosen Facebook. Again, it was created with community in mind. So it troubleshoots some of those areas in terms of rhythm. The, the other part of this is I'm leading a team. I'm, I'm leading a digital team through the church people who host on Sunday. So some of my work is training the people who are going to be hosting on Sunday, trying to build up new leaders, be in the life of my leaders, because frankly, when we want, when we see the fruit that the Lord is providing for us, we need to make sure that we're looking behind us too. Who's going to take my place? I don't know when the Lord will call me to something else. I don't know when things will shift or change. We never do, clearly that that's been proven now in case you didn't know that already. And so we need to be leading the charge. And so a lot of my work also is with people who are on site and helping them look at their ministry. And then what does it look like for our, our e-family? That's what we call anyone who joins us is so that they never just feel like somebody who's watching like through a window into your church, but they feel like they're a part of it. They're our family. And so I'm working with my team of hosts and and trying to grow that team and mature that team and then encourage them to start taking on digital roles. And then I'm also working with the team at the church, our worship leader and our youth director and our connections uh, director about, okay, these are the things you're doing on site. All right. Now, how do we look at that? And is it replicable on online? And and just to alleviate some of that, not everything is replicable online, and so that's why you have to have a constant communication with your home church, your on-site church, because just because we do it in in the sanctuary doesn't mean it has to be done online. But if it can be, we should be thinking about that.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, what what? Is... Because uh, honestly, some of the, the questions or the tension is just again from like not knowing how to ask that question of like, what is the difference? Or is it different? How is it different? And so, can you talk a little bit about the shift from like people often see the online churches, a lot of content, a lot of digital, you know, content creation? So, can you talk a little bit about moving from content development? And management to actually pastoring online, like what what is the difference? Why does it matter? And maybe how is that actually walked out?
0: Yeah, so that, that definitely was a big issue that we continue to face, that a lot of churches have used their social media as essentially their bulletin board or their bulletin, right? And so that's a great place to start because that's what we're used to but then we have to think okay so to give you an example if we're going to be doing uh, like one big event that we do is football sunday so the the super bowl well i have to think about how are we going to recreate that same thing for whoever might be sitting in another state like me or sitting in another county and they can't get there and so that's when we start taking it just from content to thinking about the person that's watching I think that's one of the big differences and maybe where the tension lies is we have looked at in the church, especially as social media, as a content driven uh, entity, instead of looking at each individual person that's sitting on the other side of their device, just like the three of us today, whether they're watching it on their TV, their phone or their computer, there's a person on the other side. And now how would I wanna reach that person? And that's when we start uh, thinking about things beyond content. I'm now looking at all the content, like I just said previously, I'm looking at the content we're doing on site and I'm thinking, well, how do I make sure that somebody at their home also gets to be a part of this? Is it through pictures, sharing pictures? Is it through hosting a digital event where we all get on our cameras and we can be together? Um, one of the biggest things that probably frustrates people the most when I talk to them is that they look at the role as an either or. You're either coming in on site or you're staying home. And I would like to challenge that it's a both and, that we're going to reach people within our 30-mile radius that could eventually come through your door. But God thinks way bigger than that. And so why can't I reach the person who's across the country? And that's the beauty, by the way, I, God is so good about living. The fact that I live in Alabama and I don't live in Ohio is that it gives me a perspective that a lot of people don't always think about because I can't physically go there on a Sunday morning. So how do I then reach all the other people like me that can't, that want to be a part of that church, but can't go there? And so one of the things we have to be able to do is let go of the fact that they have to come, and this is this is going to upset people, they have to come to your church. Uh, So I, I believe, I believe, and I've prayed about this, and the Spirit has really confirmed this in me, that if I do what the Lord asks me to do with the platform he's given me, then the Holy Spirit's going to do what only the Holy Spirit can do in the heart of the people who are watching to go get in community. Now it may be a community in Texas, it may be a community in Atlanta, it may be a community in wherever you can name it. But if we disciple, right, we move from the consumer, the consumer uh, format. Which, by the way, before we went digital, we still had this problem. Again, some people may not like that, but we we still have that problem. We still had that person who was sitting in our pew for forty years, consuming and not going and doing something, right? But if I do what I'm supposed to do and I disciple, well, I get into your life. I become part of, of what you do every day. I'm praying for you, which is a huge part of this, right? I'm engaging you in prayer, wherever you are and whenever you need it. And I know that terrifies people. Uh, and there is rhythm and balance in that, that you have to find in the digital world. That's a lot harder than in the phys- in the physical, because I can say, well, the office is closed. Um, But the digital office is never closed. Uh, But if I do what I'm supposed to do, I disciple you, I get, I become part of your life. Even that one-on-one, right? Five people and me. Then what I do is I'm releasing you to then go and do what Christ calls you to do in your community. And now we're talking about church. Now we're talking about the real live version that Christ intended which is that multiplication, releasing people to go and do. And and frankly, we have an opportunity in the digital world to release people at a crazy rate, at a crazy rate, if we're willing to dive in and see it's not just about streaming on a Sunday, but doing life with people seven days
2: a week. I think maybe I answered your question.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
2: There are still people who are going to question the legitimacy of an online campus. They're going to say, well, that... At best, you might say that is a ministry, but I would not call that a church. Um, One thing they might point to is like, how are you going to, how are you going to legitimately celebrate the sacraments together? So Mm -hmm. have you found ways to, um, to do communion in a way that is, that feels natural and communal when you are alone at home? Or um, have you, like, what if somebody wants to get baptized? things like that. Yeah.
0: So that's a great question. As far as communion is concerned, we're still trying to work that out. Um, we preemptively, when the Sunday is coming, we try to make sure that people know, we make sure that when we're online on Sunday, that we're explaining it always never taking for granted that, you know, okay, well, we always do this. So we don't have to say X, Y, or Z, right? Like there could be new people jumping on for the first time. Which also just then begs the question, are we asking people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior every single Sunday? Because maybe we should, so that they can partake in the sacrament. So in terms of being in person, and we know, um, I I just was saying to my husband this morning that I don't ever want to fall into the trap of believing that you have to be present with me in order for the Holy Spirit to move where you are. And so... I can only do what's in the realm of what I'm capable of doing, trusting that the Holy Spirit will move where that person is, and that if they choose to partake in that sacrament, that the Holy Spirit's gonna do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Now, am I saying then we can forsake every gathering and doing the sacraments? No, no. Again, it's all about both and about going and, and being a part of a community. In terms of baptism, right from the very beginning, Uh, The pastor and I, the lead pastor and I, Mark, uh, we talked about this. What happens when Baptism Sunday comes? And what happens when people want to be baptized? We committed to two things. We committed to either we will come to you, we will find a way, we will get in our car, we will get on a plane, whatever it takes to get to you, because that's how passionate we are about taking that incredible step of faith or we will find somebody in your area. And this is where right we let go that it has to be my church and it's my ministry. No, it's God's church. And if we are united across the country, united, then I should be able to call the pastor in your neighborhood and say, listen, I just met Sarah and she's amazing. And I've been doing life with her and she is ready to be baptized. And I'm not near her, but I need this to happen. Right. So it's also about breaking down some, some of those barriers that we've created, maybe even unconsciously and invite and having conversation with churches and pastors in all areas. So like just practical terms, if I'm looking on a Sunday and I see that, that I've got eight different states that are being represented, well, I should maybe start looking at like what churches are local. Now I'm a Nazarene pastor, so I might be looking for some Nazarene churches that are local Mm, and No offense to anyone who's listening, but you know what? If there aren't any Nazarene churches local, then I'm gonna I'm gonna find some churches that I can partner with. I'm gonna call some pastors who are open to what we're doing, open to what the Lord is doing. I should say, and and then try to make some partnerships. Especially if those numbers start to grow. Again, we have people from New York, and now we have people from here in Alabama, and we have people in Michigan. We have we have people um, in Puerto Rico, and then we have people that are even across across, across, away, away, well, then it just means that we need to start having more honest and open conversations that it's not my church, it's God's church. And how do I then make sure that people are getting into churches or into communities wherever they are?
2: The other thing I hear people saying is that they'll say, well, you can't serve from your couch which mm-hmm. always makes me like a little a little tweaky. Um mm-hmm. like there we can create opportunities for people to serve online but also the beauty of the forced shift like what you're talking about seeing this as this is not just about getting them to go to my favorite physical location but turning it to see them as the church is that they are like They should be serving the world with the people that are there in their space. And it's um, just a beautiful opportunity for for growth and multiplication and um, equipping people to serve where they're at and just to increase service. If you're willing to see service not as turned facing, how can these people serve the church on Sunday morning, but how can these people serve the world all day, every day? Um, so how have you seen uh, people who are part of your online campus congregation, like how have, they, how have you seen serving applied? So that that was one of the
0: big things in the research and development stage was, OK, looking at the physical. And for anyone who wants to launch a, a, an online campus, one of the first things, one of the priorities I had was, OK, let's talk about all the things you do on your physical location and now list them all and then figure out okay what would it look like in the digital world and that's when you start paring down and you start to realize what is true ecclesia and then what is just like programs that we do because that's just what churches do right. um, but one of the things i had to do from the very beginning was think about service opportunities and right now because we're we're small is that that comes in the form of hosting on a sunday joining me on a sunday and so it was just myself and one other lady when we first started that we're doing all the hosting every Sunday and we split between two services every Sunday. And as we started having more conversations and I utilize her in a great big way because she is on site, which means she has relationships with people that I may never have. And this is this is part of that discipleship process where we're we're encouraging and empowering people to step into the role that they're called to regardless of A title. And so I have, we've grown our team, and I'd like to, and that's part of what I was saying earlier is that I'm continuing to grow those service opportunities that are digital. To your other point, though, when we're discipling people, that means then we are encouraging them to think about their neighbor, their coworker, the stranger that they see in the grocery store, and empowering them to see that service to them is equally as important as service to your church. We know that in a journey of faith, most likely I'm going to want to probably serve my church. If I fall in love with my church, I'm going to want to serve my church. So it is important that we are finding digital ways so that no matter where you are, you can serve your church. For us, that is hosting on a Sunday. And then um, over time, and now two of my hosts are going to be doing this in the winter in January are going to be hosting digital life groups, right? We've done life enough with each other, encourage each other, walk the path with each other. I invited them into my digital life groups to learn that now they feel ready to do their own digital life groups, which is fantastic. That's exactly where we want. And you're going to be serving them, those people, in, in new and exciting ways. So even just this Sunday, I'll be talking about what it means to care for your neighbor, what it means to care for one another in and out of your church.
2: The other thing that, that I wonder just for my own wondering sake about how, how does this work? Like you are again in Alabama and your people are in, I mean, your, your church is your people are everywhere, but your church (laughs) is in physical location is in Ohio. Does that bring challenges to feeling a part of the the staff culture and the vision of the church, but also like you talked about maybe encouraging people into in-person community in their own area. And does that, does your position present, and maybe these are two separate questions, but does your position create a challenge for you personally to feel that connection, that fulfillment of connection to in-person community?
0: Well, yes and yes. Okay, so one of the unique things about this opportunity, and of course, when I took on the role, I was living in Michigan, so I still wasn't living in Ohio, but a whole lot closer than I am now in Alabama. So I have always served in this role from another state. But I will say that, and of course, that's probably among other things. I'm still reflecting and praying on that. But being apart from your physical location does prove to have its difficulties. One of the things that I've realized is that I need to be intentional about making the mission known, okay? And what I mean by that is when I'm not there every day, like many of the staff and they're collaborating and they're talking together, it's very easy for people to forget about the mission on the, in the digital world because I'm physically not there to remind them. Um, and just like any employee, sometimes you can grow frustrated and just want to be like, well, I've told you five times and you don't seem to remember. Right. <laughs> or I can just continue to cast vision. It's so much more than will you check this box for me? I think in the, and this is probably true for all of ministry. I've been in ministry for a very long time. Um, but it's casting a vision and and, and sharing your passion one of the cautions that I've realized and I, and I've begun writing about it is is the loneliness that comes from the digital world. The loneliness that that is present here, which actually then fuels my desire to continue to penetrate it with light, is the, own, the my own loneliness that rests behind a screen. The reality is is that it's very easy to feel forgotten. It's very easy to watch the church plug away without you. And go, but what I do matters. Let me put it this way. I don't have the fuel that other people have on a Sunday morning that are in ministry, right? Like I don't get to come into the church on a Sunday morning and you get to see all those smiling faces and all the people who, you know, you get to talk to and have done life with throughout the week and be encouraged by them. Now, I'm also not naive that sometimes on Sunday morning, some people would rather not be seen. (laughs) And some people don't always like the Sunday morning drudge um, either. But we do know that there's great fuel by seeing that. And that's, of course, a lot of reason why people get upset about the digital world or feeling like you're just sitting on your couch. Um, But the reality is this, is that I then am only powered by the Holy Spirit and the internet. And what I have come to realize in in this journey so far, and I say so far because it's it's, it's a baby, it's an infant at this point, is that the power of the Holy Spirit is the only, I don't get to see your face. I just have to believe that there are faces on the other side that matter. I have to believe that God is going to call that one, that 100, that 1000. It really doesn't matter because numbers don't Numbers don't matter in Jesus' Jesus's kingdom. Hearts matter in Jesus's kingdom. So it, it becomes the fuel that drives the desire to continue to penetrate the dark world of online with light. But you have to step into it with really good rhythm. You need to come into this world, and that's been my caution for some people who are hiring, I just talked to some pastors last week who are, oh, I hired him. And I was like, please care deeply for the person you hire because their world is not fueled by faces. Their world is fueled by the Holy Spirit and a continued step of faith every single day that what they do today will matter to somebody. And, And it's very easy to get lost and lonely in it So you also need to make sure that you have a really good champion. Um, maybe Maybe a few of them who stands in your corner and says, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. I believe that today, even though our engagement dropped even though things happened that maybe frustrated you I believe that somebody was reached today. And so I think on some level we have to step into that world very cautiously but not don't let the cautiousness hold you back. Don't let it be so overly cautious that you don't jump in and say, listen, I'm going to love whoever shows up today. I'm going to care about whoever shows up today. Um, and I'm going to continue to believe in this and keep it at the forefront of the minds of those who are in the church. Now, I say that because I have a lead pastor who thanks me for the continual reminder of keeping it before him. (laughs) And I don't know, I know that's not everybody's journey, and um, but I do know that for myself, one of the things that keeps me moving forward is the fact that I have a lead pastor who says, thank you for keeping this at the forefront of my mind. I have forgotten about that. Um, Probably one of the most powerful moments, and this speaks to your question, Sarah, is I was ready to quit. It was about six months in and I had written the the long email that tells my lead pastor all the reasons why I should quit. Our engagement had fallen off, right? On-site had picked back up. And so we saw engagement numbers go down and I was ready to quit. I had all really good reasons to quit uh, because I had looked at it from a purely, merely, you know, black and white, here are the numbers. They're not adding up. I shouldn't be there. And he came back to me with two of the most powerful things that I, that I cling to today in those moments when it's really hard. The first was this, that if you feel that way, then you're probably in the right place because that means you care about people more than you do numbers. That was powerful. The second thing he said to me was this, you're their pastor, Lindsay. I went, what are you talking about? They watch you most of the time. No, 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 Lindsay. You're the one who prays with them. You're the one who invites them into the sacraments. You're the one who reaches out to them in the middle of the week when when they've asked for prayer requests on a Sunday. You're their pastor, not me. Just because he does 90% of the preaching, it didn't mean he was their pastor. That was incredibly empowering, opened my eyes to the work that I was doing, even though there were times when you kind of felt like, where's the fruit in this? So hopefully that answered those two questions for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it seems like there's a lot of churches. Um you talked about the the church in Piqua, maybe mm-hmm. that didn't want to do any online. Did they do any online? No no, that's actually our church. He didn't oh. want to
0: do any online.
2: Oh, I thought there was two separate churches. Okay. Yeah, they no. they did it and they're they're killing it. Um <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I was I was going to ask you cuz there there are some churches who did not do any online. There were some that did a small amount, and there were churches who tried to just replicate the in-person Sunday morning experience, and and then when they could go back, they just went back, um, and it's sort of like, I had, um well, I thought this, you and I had this conversation, and I had this thought in that conversation a couple weeks ago, that it's like a lot of churches are treating the experience with the pandemic and the things they learned there as if it was this detour into like a short-term mission trip. They were Mm -hmm. detoured off their regular path into this other, they had to go around somehow. And that going around put them in a new neighborhood and they thought, oh, well, this is really cool. And we like this about this neighborhood. And this is a challenge. And they started building things to, to serve that community and to, um, to, to engage with people there. And then the detour was removed and they could get back on the regular highway that they were going on. And they just, um, picked up their stuff and went back to the regular path. Um, so you're, you're seeing that. Mm-hmm. You see that? Yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> do you think that, like, um, is that, is that a legitimate opt like way of handling online? Is it, how do you feel like that's going to serve the church or is it just like different strokes for different folks? Um, and like, what encouragement would you give uh, pastors who are um, going, well, do I stay in this online world or do I go back to in person and just let online be what it was?
0: Well, th- that's, a, that's a difficult question. For, for me, one of the, the heart cries that I began to realize in this process and the lead pastor who did not want to do digital and then was forced his hand, we both agreed that this is, we're not just talking about self-help or that you can find a, a million books for. This is life or death. And I have entered into your life to offer life through Jesus Christ. For me to now walk away from that is like, what am I saying about the value of your life? Now, I also realized that there were small churches and and, and, and our church was actually very small, small budget, small church. It was a new plant. When all of this happened, it was only 18 months old. Okay. So it's not like they had this million dollar budget and they had all of these things. And when I was brought on, it was again, on a three month, the board agreed to pay me and it was biweekly and it was this tiny little stipend and like, right. So you do need some buy-in to get it, to get it going. But the reality is this, is that if I enter into your life, it's like, maybe if we took it out of the digital world for a minute, I enter into my neighbor's life. I, I take, I take her garbage cans up for her every single week because I realize she can't do it. And then one day it gets cold and I just don't feel like putting my coat on. So I'm not going to do it. And at some point she's going to just assume that I'm going to do it. And when I stop doing it, what am I telling her? What am I saying to her? Uh, It it becomes this, if I'm going to come into your life, I'm going to come into your living room. I'm going to tell you about the love of Jesus. I'm going to say that doing life with you is important. And then I just decide to leave because what am I then saying about the everything else that I just said? Now, I also recognize there's grace, right? And that some people just don't have the capacity to keep everything going. And we do know that that church is not and has never been prior to digital and never will be a Sunday experience. So I think at the end of the day, what we really need to ask ourselves, if we leave the digital world, that's fine. That's okay. Sometimes you have to do what is in the capacity to do. But let us remember that if you're leaving the digital world because you just want to focus on your Sunday, were you ever doing church from the beginning? Ugh, I know that makes maybe some people really mad. Um, but, I've, but I have to say it because it's been my own conviction along the way. I've been in church my entire life. I served in youth ministry for 12 years. I have done, I've done. All the, I've all. sat on the church board like I've done all the things. But we have to ask ourselves outside of the digital question, the bigger question which what is Ecclesia? What is the church? And we could say, oh, well, I'm not going to do it on digital because it's not church. Well, have you asked yourself the same question about what you do on Sunday? And then maybe if you get to the heart of what you do on Sunday, you might realize that the digital world is actually an avenue, not a detour, but a place in which we can put roots down and really care about what's happening in people's lives. I can dislike digital all day long. It is not gonna make it go away. Uh, Our lead pastor used this example. He's like, you can dislike Amazon, which I can't even imagine anyone who would ever dislike Amazon. But anyway, you can dislike Amazon all day long. You can hate their practices. You can dislike the CEO, whatever, but it is never going away. And then he said, you know what? That Kmart, there are only four left in the whole country. Kmart's never coming back. So the reality is I can love Kmart, but it's never coming back. (laughs) Amazon's here to stay. And churches do need to ask themselves of the bigger question outside of the digital world. What I think hopefully is happening is it is because God is merciful. He's giving us a chance to stop going around the mountain. Right, like you say, we took a detour. Well, I also know a whole group of people who took a detour. It took them 40 years to figure it out, and a lot of them didn't make it. I'm sorry, I know, I know. Right? <laughs> you guys are never gonna want me back. No, no the reality. We're gonna, is- you. we're gonna want you
2: here, <laughs> <A> regular
1: contributor. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know the, the, that's the reality. So, so I can't answer the question about what is right for your church. What I pray that we all do, though. All all of us, lead pastors all the way down to you, the person who's a congregant, we ask ourselves, what is the church? And then how do I do that everywhere I go uh, in, instead of thinking that it requires four walls? So I can't answer what you have to do within your church and, with, and what is viable via your budget or whatever. But I, I would pray that we wouldn't leave or exit out of people's lives because of our budget. We wouldn't do that inside of our building. Let us not do that in the digital world either, which is just another plug for Facebook. Because guess what? They created community and it didn't cost me a dime because mm-hmm. they, they, they made it. They made it. They made all the avenues for me to do live streaming and to do video conferencing and to do groups. They made the way and it didn't cost me a cent. What you really need inside your church, if you're wondering how to do it, is a champion. Is someone who says I care about those people and I just I want to be in their lives and then you just start encouraging them and you start building um, things around them so that they can feel uh, both challenged and invited into the world. So and I really hope that's what we do in all of this is is invite the conversation but never be afraid to also challenge it.
1: I just had the, the kind of that thought too, like. As you were talking about, you know, some churches may have to put the online down because of capacity, yeah, right? But if the strategy is that you really care about the people and, like, you're not so concerned about them coming to your church, and for if you have had the ability to look at other places and other church networks, then you're able to say either... Hey, there's this physical church that you can start being a part of, or here's this online ministry that is also thriving, that if this is still for you, we can no longer do, yes. right? We can't do it. And it is it is continuing to shepherd even into like the the separation of, of, of that ability to do online. Yeah. Um, Good. Anyway, it was just a thought I had going back to your, like it all starts on how you view the way you're going to approach online ministry yes. and, and that it can, even if you're not able to do it, if you care about it and care about the people, you will find the way. Right. Um, That's right. So I just, I want, I appreciate you for, for how passionate you are about this. And just, I think there are several people that will be listening that, um, I think one will learn, but I also think on the other side, will feel that they have had someone come to bat for them. And I just appreciate that so, so much. Um, One thing that the church has struggled with in recent history is that ministry is often seen as reserved for professional people, right? The pastor at professional level. And so we don't, have to do the work of the church because we've hired someone to do it for us, and so even in your position, right? The church mm-hmm. has hired someone to do the online ministry, um, and so that really is not the church. Every Christian has a role, has a responsibility to reach out to those that people God has placed in their lives. We kind of see this uh, in Acts when you know there's a, a dispute happening among uh, the Jews and the Greeks and the women's and the widows and and what. The leaders do is say, Hey, what we really want to do, what we've been called to do, what our job is to read the scripture and pray for the church, right? That's what we want to devote our time to. And it's not that this thing isn't ministry or isn't important, but there needs to be someone to take care of it. And so they find men and then they find well regarded men to go and to take care of the thing that is plaguing the church, right? at least that small group. So how can you, in this line of thought, how would you encourage someone who sees social media and online church as a place to minister to others? And how do you see their role as vital to the growth of the church?
0: Well, it goes back to having a champion. It goes back to having somebody who sees in you what you cannot see in yourself when I am in, for instance, one of the things I realized very early on in the digital life groups that I was doing is I needed to pay very careful attention to who was regularly attending. So in the digital world, you could jump on whenever you feel like it. I'll never know if you come or don't. And I realized that if I see ministry, not as my ministry, But as the furthering of God's kingdom, God's kingdom is going to come to earth as it is in heaven. It's going to, it's, it's not, it's not about if it is, and I want to be a part of that. That means every time I go online, and this is, would be an encouragement to anyone who's in the digital world and feels like, I feel like I could do something. So you launch a life group. And I realized that I have... I have a family, I'm married. I have two younger kids, nine and 12. I've got a life too. I have got classes to take, I got things to do. But when I release the fact that it's not my ministry, it's God's ministry, his kingdom will come here on earth as it is in heaven. Then when I'm in the group, I'm paying attention to who's participating. And then I'm figuring out, okay, this person came every single Wednesday night when I went live, they come on every single post. Now, how do I get into their life and begin to be a part of their life and help them see how they can now do that for their friends? Maybe they start a life group. It's not looking at the whole. It's no longer, I think I said this earlier, it's no longer about the numbers. It's about each individual heart that now comes and is a part of the world that you're in. I like the example of what I did with virtual school. Because sometimes people feel like, and I was this person, I don't know enough about the Bible. There's no way I can do a Bible study. Okay. Do you like crafting? Do you like hiking? Do you like reading? So you start a life group based on those things. They're called missional communities. And you invite people to craft with you online. You invite people into a book study. You invite people into your walking club. I love walking, right? Like you invite them into it. And then what happens is right because you know Jesus but maybe not everybody else knows Jesus you start to include different things about your life and your prayer life and and then you invite people to be a part of that it's it's all about doing doing church being the church everywhere you go it starts though with a champion who's who God has gifted to have a vision beyond yours i am where i am because many years ago when i first met pastor mark he saw that in me every other person i was doing youth ministry when he came in as the youth pastor every other youth pastor and this this is just some of those walls that need to come down in order for this to happen they saw me like okay well she's a teacher you know would you like to run a small group he saw in me that no you have a gift for preaching And I'm going to give you a chance to teach. And then I'm going to come alongside you and help you figure out how to study so that when you teach, it works, right? He taught me how to read the Bible differently. He taught me how to hear the spirit differently. He taught me how to do those things. That's a one-on-one relationship that can happen anywhere. That just happened to happen face-to-face. The reality is, is that then led me to realize, oh, I have a capacity to do this. He saw a gift in me. I couldn't yet see myself. We don't have to just be in face-to-face communication, although that helps, but I can do this just like you and I are doing this today. I can call you once a month and encourage you, pray for you, do life with you. And so when we think about the church, again, we have to blow the walls off the church. We have to stop saying it's a building. We have to stop saying it's the pastor. We have to stop saying those things because for them to become action, they have to become language. We have to start giving new language to the, the way we talk about church so that as we share that language, people start going, huh, so you mean if I take my neighbor's garbage can in, I'm like, I'm like doing something for Jesus? Yes, yes, you are. And so it, it really is looking not so much at the number of people that join you, but who are you doing life with in depth? Who are you then inviting that in? And then how are you releasing them? Our biggest problem has been, and that's why we are where we are today, is we haven't released people. We've kept them as our own instead of seeing them as Christ's and then releasing them. Is it sad to see them go? Of course, it always is. But that's part of the reason why when I set out to do this, I have been paying attention in every life group, paying attention to every leader because I don't know what will happen. I don't know what Jesus will call me to do, but I wanna make sure that what is his kingdom work stays forever. And I can't certainly live forever. So that means I have to look for what other people are capable of doing, see gifts in them that the spirit has given them and then empower those gifts. So there's a lot of release that has to happen. And I think it comes from a surrendered heart. And I know Sarah and I talked about this and this is makes people Get the willies, but I think we're already there is the reality is is some 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 of us me included this was part of the process we need to repent. we need to repent that we've gone the wrong way, that we've made our churches our kingdoms instead of his, and when we begin to repent, we can then surrender and then we don't see it as our own and we want we then all we can do is then release and release and release. so I really do think it starts with a heart
2: of repentance that no one can do for you but you. As you were talking, I was remembering when I was a kid, my pastor would say to the whole congregation, like I'm I'm the pastor, but you all are you are all ministers. Like you are all ministers of the gospel and would say I'm you are released to serve. Um and I think like um yeah, like like the story in Acts with the Greek widows, like people will see those needs individually, where they are on online or where they are in person, like, and they might see that there are people who we're all interested in hikers. And here actually within the group that I know that hikes, we have similar things that are on our hearts and that could use prayer for, we need, we have um, similar, you know, with, with the interests, but also similar, similar hearts and minds. It's so good to think about how we can equip the hikers and the crafters and, and the, I mean, we don't do chat rumors anymore because we have social media. You had so chat rooms because you didn't have social media, but like the people who like being on social media kind of is their hobby, you know, Mm -hmm. and how can they, how can we equip them? You know, that's exciting for me to think about. Um, we don't want to let you go without talking about this, so you're okay. on on Facebook. Yes. Uh, and so like you've you've shared a little bit about how it's designed for community and the and the the benefits of the application for how you do what you do. Um, but I do you know, even if you were to to give us the whole pitch, the whole like, here is why Facebook ministry is right for online pastoring pitch. People will still say like, no, Facebook's the bad place, you know? Um uh and I refuse. Um so when you um when you are interacting on Facebook, do you do you see the the people that you are involved with, um, are you able to help them engage um better in that space? Or are you like or is it just separated out so that your work in that space is so, um, is strictly this online pastor role? I mean, how do you see what you do on Facebook impact how people are on Facebook? Is Facebook salvageable, you know, from-
0: yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I'll, I'll put it this way. Early on when I started, I mean, I feel like everybody else says, I don't know anybody who doesn't look at some of the social media, Facebook or or others that are like, oh, it's so dark, it's so terrible, right? There's a lot of people I know who remove the app, you know, every other month, because then they get back on it and they realize they're addicted to it, right? Like, and then they're like, oh, shoot, I gotta get rid of it. But one of the things that I realized, and and the Lord just pierced my heart with, and I have continued on this route, and that's part of my personality too, that God has given me uh, is a heart of perseverance, I, I like, I like put my and boots on and I don't let anybody, uh, I, I've just always been that way. Um, and I don't like any bullying and I don't like any of that. And, you know, one of the things that the Lord showed me is the reason why we don't like Facebook is because we handed it over to the enemy and we let it be his territory. This is true for Instagram, TikTok, all of them, all the social media, it, it, it became the enemy's territory. And then we sat back and went, Wing, it's so scary out there. Well, yeah, because we didn't penetrate it with light. We didn't go in there with our stomping boots and say, no, this is God's territory. And so that has been my that has been the mission that God has called me to in this job. That's what keeps me going on the days where it's dark and it's scary and I don't like it. As I say, okay, but you know what, claiming that territory is messy business. If you go through and you read through scripture, when they were claiming that territory, man, things had to die. There was destruction. Now it starts though with those who know Jesus, which means we have to come at it with a lens. What do I need to not be typing on there anymore? What do I need to stop doing? Because I can point the finger all day long. But if I'm still putting that stuff out there, then what right do I have to say? What I like to believe and I believe that some people have and they've come to know, let me put it this way, a lot of my former coworkers, they come from all different um, backgrounds and what they know now is they know what to expect from my page, they know what to expect from me, they know what to expect. And so they come to my page, they come to comment on things with that same heart. Now, it's not my job to change your heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to stay obedient to the Holy Spirit. So I got to make sure that I'm putting myself in check every step of the way. Do I want to participate in some things? Oh, yeah. Right. We get into some of those those hot topics. I mean, even topics that we're talking about today, I'll see people post like the one, you know, you can't serve from your couch. Oh, man, I want to stick it to them because I got all this data. Yeah. Okay, but then I'm just actually feeding the exact problem that I think needs to end. So I choose to walk away. I choose not to comment. I choose to be light in the dark place. So do I believe that it's changing? I, I believe that people come to recognize. It's no different than if you've ever been in a co-worker situation where everybody uses bad language. You know, you ever been in one of those, right? You go into the break room and it's like filled with every four letter word you could ever imagine. If we live out our life the way Christ intends, you know what starts to happen? You walk in the room, and people start to apologize. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh man. Right? The digital world's no different. But that means we have to live out our faith out loud. That means not, not Bible thumping out loud, not right or left out loud. We got to live the way Christ intended us out loud. That means if I want Facebook, I want Instagram, I want TikTok, I want all these things to be flooded with light. That means everything that comes out of me has to be light. And if it's not light, then it needs to get put back into a pocket until God refines it. And then when it comes out as light, then it goes on there. One of the things that has been so important to me from the very beginning, regardless of what people ask for from me, because people will say, I wish you posted more. I wish you had more stuff. And it's very easy to fall into the trap of then giving them what they're asking for instead of doing what the Holy Spirit asks me to do. Mm-hmm. So what I have committed myself to is that I only go and post things on social media. And this is hard for the job too because the job requirements, but that means then at the end of the day, you have to trust me and trust what the Holy Spirit's doing in me. And I only post when the Holy Spirit tells me to. And now that can mean dropping it all in the middle of dinner, done it. That means I sometimes the Holy Spirit wants me, I got to do this. And then you know what? The next thing I know is somebody says, oh my word, I can't believe you prayed that prayer. I was facing that very thing. Now that all goes back to our individual walk. Have we repented? Have we surrendered? Have Do we release? Do we see what people cannot see? So I believe because we're stomping out. I, I said, listen, I'm going to claim this territory back for God's kingdom. I'm going to do what the the prophet Jeremiah said he was gonna do too. I'm gonna do it, we're gonna do it, we're gonna that means we're gonna have to break down walls and it starts with me, because I have no control over anyone but myself. And so I I pray that we'll continue to flood that platform. And I know people have complained and said, Oh, you know, my stuff gets taken down. Hey, well, ask yourself, did God ask you to put it up there? Because maybe if God didn't ask you to put that up there, he's being merciful and he's taking it down on purpose. I don't know, you know. It all comes back to what is Jesus saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And I enter into things of my life, both personal, digital, uh, and everywhere in between with those two questions. Well, what is God saying to me about it? And then what am I going to do about it?
1: Hmm. That's so good. Lindsay, thank you so much just for your time and and sharing. And It's been encouragement to my heart, and I hope that that we'll hear stories of of how it's encouraged others. when it's released and so we we like to end our time with the same two questions every time because we want we want to hear the, the the real story it's not that you haven't shared anything that's that's not real right but um so we always ask can you can you tell us about a time that you were trying to minister to people online and it failed it went poorly wasn't received well and what did you learn from it
0: it comes back to that lesson I just told you about in terms of realizing that I only need to post when the Lord tells me to post. So I fell into the trap of trying to please people, trying to give them content because that's what they wanted. And I remember posting a video. So this is you get to see me and those um, while you might be listening, you can't see me, but you know, like I got a Mohawk and, and uh, I put a little effort into the way that I look. And I felt like maybe I was supposed to, um, post a video of myself, like undone, right? Like no makeup on no hair done all these things. And so I did it and it was awful. It was terrible. It was like the most painful thing I did, but I was thought in my mind that I was trying to minister to people that if I Came raw and authentic, like people say, uh, then it would just reach thousands of people, you know, because you get into your head in the digital world, like just, you know, that you're going to, oh, I'm just going to, and it flopped. I had like one person who commented, it was like my grandma, you know, who's like, you look beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, <Dana. laughs> And I was like, I'm like, whatever. This is not what I thought. And you know what? I realized. I had painted the picture of what Lindsay Murphy was going to do to minister to people instead of what the Holy Spirit does through Lindsay Murphy. I made it about me. And because God is merciful, praise the Lord. There was one gracious person who made a comment and that was it. And he taught me to listen to him when I turn that camera on, listen to him when I open that app. And he taught me it is not about numbers. You've heard me say it throughout this, our entire conversation, and I can't say it enough. And I know boards don't like it and lead pastors don't like it and districts don't like it. And if you haven't figured it out, I don't really care that they don't like it. It's about hearts of people. When Jesus went out, hundreds followed him. But it was not about hundreds of people following it was about each individual person, one who would touch his robe, one who would ask for healing, one, one at a time. And so I had to learn the lesson the hard way. Not only did I put myself out there in like the worst state ever, Lord, help us all. I had to learn the hard way that ministering to people in the digital world is not about hundreds and thousands of numbers like we see and that we can compare ourselves to and other churches, especially. It's about what the Holy Spirit tells you to do and obeying him. And then if one person's life is changed, then it was worth whatever you put out there. We can put up a lot of smoke and mirrors. Social media is a lot of smoke and mirrors. The most important thing you can do is authentically be who you are. And all of it. And when the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, do it. Immediate obedience is the only way to go. Anything other than that is disobedience. And so that was my online disaster that I thought, you know, because I painted the picture that many of us do that go, oh, I'm going to reach thousands of people. This is it. This is the moment. And the Lord in his gracious and mercy, he humbled my spirit and went, go after one like I told you to. Um, Or, or I'll take it away from you. And so that doesn't mean he leaves us. He wasn't ever going to leave me because he's so wonderful and he's so loving and he's so forgiving, but he's given us all an opportunity and, uh, and he doesn't want to see us abuse it. He doesn't want to see us misuse it because it's people's lives.
2: So, so, and we never want to go out on a, on a downer. (laughs) So we want to hear like, you're talking about that, about the one, like, can you give us a story about the one, the one that you ministered that you, you ministered to, and that this mattered to, and their life was changed because of what you do. So this is a great one, a former coworker of mine. And,
0: um, he never, and here's, here's my encouragement to anyone who's out there who thinks, you know, who's listening to me. So he never commented on any of my videos on any of my posts, never. And I would get into conversations with him on the phone and he would say something. And I'd be like, that sounds really familiar. He's like, oh yeah, you said that in your, in your video. What? Now he didn't know Jesus. um, And, and he didn't really want to have anything to do with Jesus. And he was walking a cancer journey. And, uh, and after a few different conversations, a few different things, and, and that lovely, like, send your good vibes my way. And I finally said, listen, I don't do good vibes. I pray. I don't know what vibes are. I don't know what they are. I don't know where they come from, but I do know where Jesus comes from. And, and I'm going to pray for you. And that digital being obedient to, to the, to show you being obedient, going on, regardless of who comments, regardless of what people say, but doing it when the Lord tells you to, you have never know who you're reaching. And he needed the insurance company to move, man. He needed them to make some changes and, and accept some treatments. And I said, okay, well, at this point, he stopped asking me for vibes and started asking me for prayer. And I said, okay, yeah, absolutely. I'm praying and I'm putting my whole, I'm putting a whole team on it. Cause that's how much you mean to me, because that's what Jesus says, right? Like I, we're, we're on it. And he called me the next day and he's like, I don't know what it is about you but there's something different about you. The insurance company called me today and they're going to improve my treatment. I said, well, there's nothing special about me. It has everything to do with Jesus. And uh, just two weeks before he passed, he passed on October, or sorry, August 31st. So just just a little while ago, he called me and he said, you know, Lindsay, I need you to to tell people that prayer works because you showed me that prayer is real and that Jesus is real. And I tell you that because he never commented on my videos and he never participated in the discussion, but he knew me and I knew him. And those videos were just the gateway to having deeper conversations on a phone. So, you know, when we're obedient to what he tells us to do in our videos and in our content, you start to realize that it will impact people's lives. And so that is just, and you know what? And it's funny that you asked me that question because he said to me before he passed, will you please make sure that you share that story with people who don't believe? So thank you for the opportunity to share that story with people who maybe don't believe. Thank you for sharing it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Hmm. Oh, well, I've got nothing. I, mean, <laughs> I think all I can say is thank you, Lindsay, for for coming. Seriously, uh, it. I. I think this. Obviously, you know this. This whole project is centered around like the online social media ministry, and to get to talk to someone who is not only. In a place where they're they're being supported, but also in a place that like really like it is not hard to identify as a hard field. The, the Facebook and the that platform and probably constant feedback about how it's the devil's playground, right? But um, just encouragement from someone who who is one. I I think it'd be easy if it was someone who is seeing a lot of numbers, a lot of success, right? But, mm-hmm. but seeing impact and transformation and seeing uh, a yielding to the Holy Spirit and seeing that you can be faithful in ministry in the online world. Um, so thank you. I just yeah. I really appreciate our time.
0: Yeah. Thank you for having
1: me. Hey, well, thanks again for listening to the Pocket Pulpit podcast. Um, really quickly, Lindsay, before you go, can you just let everyone know where they can find you if they'd like to, to connect with you
0: online? Sure. So I have my own Facebook page, Pastor Lindsay Murphy. You can find me on Instagram, Lindsay Marie Murphy, and you certainly can follow me at the Valley Church Troy, which we're on YouTube and Facebook. I'm actually preaching this coming Sunday. Uh, and I, yeah, so, uh, and I preach there every eight weeks. So you can, those are the few different ways you can find me.
1: Great. Awesome. Well, Hey, we'll have all of that in the show notes and um Just thank you so much. Thanks for for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye.